Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 33 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing? Another Wednesday? Another new episode? Man, I'm, I, this, I'm not used to these deadlines. This Wednesday seems to come every, like, 20 minutes. Um, you know, and uh, but hey, 33 episodes. Like I said, I mean, half. You know, I like to put up on Sunday. Of course, we have a vault episode, and I hope everybody goes back and listens to this past Sunday. Um, we'll go back and listen to all of them, please. But uh, last, this last Sunday, Bryce Davidson was on, former Junior A player in Ontario and in the SJHL. Two years of 850 minutes and two pro seasons in Daytona Beach and in the Colonial League. You know, and uh, we had a great talk. And then Bryce's family also has uh, some real good uh, deep ties to the Toronto Maple Leafs. His dad, or grandfather, Bob Davidson, uh, played, was a scout, front at front office. And uh, he had a, he had some funny stories. And, uh, and there's a story in there that um, would have changed hockey history. I'm not going to tell you about you got to go listen to the episode. But truly it is. It's... Uh, You'll you'll unbelievable when you hear it, but uh, yeah, check that episode out, Bryce. A lot of fun. He's on Twitter, uh, Muskoka Coach eighteen, and uh, good dude. And uh, other than that, like I said, thirty two other episodes. If this is if this is your first time tuning in, thank you, welcome, and uh, please go back and check out the back catalog: Morasti, McIntyre, Tedarenko, Ken Staniforth, Josh Mazer, Chris Graff, uh, all the we, we we don't have any uh, we don't have any first line centers on the show. <laughs> Nothing, nothing but toughness. Check it out, boys! All have great stories, and uh, and I and I and I think you guys will really enjoy them. Believe me. And uh, but uh, actually, before I really get rolling here and in deep, I was just reading on Twitter on my way home that unfortunately um, Dale Howardchuck passed away at fifty-seven years old and stomach cancer. Goddamn cancer, man! But uh, you know, way too young. And uh, rest in peace, Dale. And uh, thoughts out to his uh, family. I saw some that had uh, tweeted it out and. Uh, yeah, I know he's been battling for a while, and uh, but man, when you reflect back and you go and look at his stats and stuff, what a talent! And uh, under, underrated, I think, underappreciated, maybe, you know, and uh, you know, because he played in those mid '80s out in Winnipeg, you know, of course, when the Oiler dynasty was going on and the Flames and all that, you know, Gretzky and all them, and Messier and Curry and blah blah blah, you know, and then there's Howard Chuck kind of out in Winnipeg on the island, but you know, kind of out by himself, you know, you sort of got forgotten about, but. Uh, 
Dude, 130, you know, if anybody other than Gretzky had been around, you know, he'd be leading the league how many years in a row. You know, and I know he went on and played in Buffalo and Philly and St. Louis and, you know, had a real strong seasons there. and Just a great talent and, uh, you know, no, it was sad to read. And especially, like I said, 57 and too young. But, uh, yeah, moving on. I think today's episode, um, obviously in the title it says uh, Q&A. Um, not that I'm a huge question and answer. I'm not, uh, I, I don't want to sound, it sounds like it's coming off so vain. Like, I don't, oh, I have so many questions. I just don't, I'll have to make a few episodes. You know, I don't get that many questions, but I do have questions. And, and like I said, it's a nice fill in, um, kind of top. I don't want to say I'm mailing in the episode. I'm not, but I do get questions and I was going to actually do this a while ago. And then a guest who ended up canceling, but getting back to me, we ended up recording. So I didn't have to do the Q and a episode, but I kept the questions and, um, and yeah, and I always just kind of threw it out there and I'm like, okay, well, if I have short on a guest or whatever, I mean, that's the one thing I have since I've joined the network. That's been a little disheartening is the lack of get new player interviews. Um, you know, God, I'm trying guys. Um, like I said, stuff comes up or got, you know, guys don't get back to you. And, uh, and I've, I've, I've had a whole other episode. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but like I've said before, I'm done chasing guys around. I mean, I give them, I ask them to come on. If they agree, I give them my timetable and ask them to, you know, what works for you. And I put the ball in their court and I leave it up to them to get back to me. And, uh, you know, if they don't, all right, well, you know, whatever. I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'll get back to you a couple times. Like, Hey, we're going to do this. Let me know. And, if I continue to get the runaround, it's like, well, okay, you know, not, and again, if they ever want to come on, I've always told them, hey, just get a hold of me, man, I'm ready to rock and roll, so if any of you guys out there are listening, um, I'm not going to throw names out, but um, yeah, man, get a hold of me, let's do it, and uh, and I, you know, I always enjoy talking to the guys, And uh, but I do have an episode here lined up to record uh, Thursday, tomorrow, well, Jesus, what is tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday night, he's uh, we set it up and uh, and I, I t- when I briefly talked to him from the phone when I first asked him to come on the show and whatever I was given his phone number by Dean Mirad and uh, I talked to him for about 25, 30 minutes on the phone and like I said if the if the podcast if the interview on the for the show is half as good as that phone call was you guys are in for a real treat uh, he's a funny dude um, played everywhere. And uh, has awesome stories, and I we were just scratching the surface in a twenty minute conversation. So I could imagine when we get rolling, what it's going to be like. And he's primed and ready to roll. And I told him what it's all about. And uh, and this was like a couple of weeks back, so he's had a lot of time to think about stories. And he got a hold of me today and said, "Let's set up a time. I'm ready to go." And uh, he's gone home. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, but like I said, I got I'm looking at my little sticky note. I got yeah, I got like really seriously like six people in the bullpen warming up here so hopefully we can start making things happen and uh and a wide variety of guys like a junior player a couple nhl guys an ex-commentator uh who co- who uh, was a commentator a junior and had some funny some wild stuff happen and it's uh and it's about the nahl it's a junior a league down in the states uh in the mid-2000s and uh i think it'll give you you know not a lot of people talking about that and it would be a unique behind the scenes look um I'm really looking forward to having him on, and uh, you know, and I've known him forever from the message boards, so it'll be fun. It'll be a fun talk, and uh, and he's a fight dude, so it'll be, it'll be cool. And um, yeah, other than that, um, like I said, this is episode 33. I hope people go back and uh, and like I said, check out the other 32 episodes. And uh, you know, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you. 
Um, like I said, I know there's a lot of stuff out there to listen to, and uh, there's only so much time in the day, right? You can only cut the pie so many times, so many ways. So um, the fact that you choose the it sounds like an airline commercial. The fact that you choose fourth line voice, we thank you today, and uh, you know, put your seats back in an upright uh, upright position, and uh, put your tra- put your trays up. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's uh back from holidays, and uh, last week was a blur. We were, you know, take a week off, went up to the lake, and uh, back at her. Back to the grind already, and uh, sweating it out. It's hot as shit here, and, uh, you know, but like I said, I guess you can't complain too much, because, you know, it's late August, and, uh, you know, man, well, we've had snow on the ground in October, so, you know, in two months, we might have some white stuff, so don't complain about the heat now, right? So, uh but no, it's been a fun, it's been a good, nice summer. The weather's been really nice. Could use a little more rain right now. I know it's a little dry, but uh, no, it's been it's been fun. But uh, it was nice to have the week off. Like it's a Sunday night, I'm sitting in the chair at like nine o'clock at night, and I'm like, oh, where'd where'd the week go? But uh, you know, yeah, I got a whole bunch of vacation time left to use still. So you know, with everything going on, I don't know. You know, not, you can't really do too much. But uh, you know, we'll see. We will see. But yeah, like I said, question and answers. Um, uh, but there's a few things I want to clear up first. A little, uh, little baseball talk to start with. I know that was kind of a hot topic today on Twitter was um, Tatis um, swinging 3-0 at the Grand Slam, you know, up uh, seven or eight runs in the in the late innings. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, we'll make a better pitch or whatever. Or try, you know, and I just said, nah, sw- if you're up seven runs, eight runs in the late innings, and you swing 3-0, that's Bush. That's Bush League. And, uh, you know, I knew that when I was 12 years old that you didn't do that. But, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, everyone has their opinion. And, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people uh, saying, well, try harder or do better or whatever. You know, I, I think a lot of them never fucking played a sport in their life. So, you know, whatever. I have seen some players come out and say it. I, 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 it's interesting when it's older players, like retired guys, or like Johnny Bench said it and Reggie Jackson. made me laugh with Reggie Jackson. I'm like, well, of course you'd say it, but, I mean, you're a douchebag that nobody liked when you played anyway. But great player, but, you know, how hated was that guy? But uh, I know Bench said it, whatever, and, eh, you know, and, hey, whatever, that's, you know, uh, you know I'm going to argue with Johnny Bench, but at the same time, you know, I'd like to talk to 1975 Johnny Bench if that had happened. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be a little different. They don't just let the kids play now. It's like, okay, Johnny, you, you're looking for a friggin', uh, you know, uh, network job or what? But, yeah, whatever, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's... Um, Sorry, I'm getting it. I'm actually getting a text from my, from the guest I was talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just sort of. Uh, and like I said, the one guy gets back. You know, I just kind of called it Bush and whatever. And then, of course, he has to come back. Oh, so you just give up and not play then? Asking for a friend. Like first of all, I said. I, I said on Twitter. I said if I ever use the phrase "asking for a friend," somebody fucking run me over with a bus with flat tires, please. Or beat me above my about my head and upper body with a stick. That's you sound like a moron asking for a friend, you know. And I said, well, who who said to give up and let them get you out? I didn't say that. I just said don't swing three zero. Take him yard three one. We wouldn't be having this conversation. But it's three and zero, up eight in like what the eighth inning. You don't swing. 
You just don't. And you, whatever, I don't give a shit. You can argue with me all you want, and that's fine. You have your opinion, I have mine. But I can tell you now, back when I played, some of the guys I played with, if you had done that shit, the next guy up, not you, not next game, no, the next guy up would have got it in the ribs. And you know what? Then when he's sitting there with an ice pack on his broken rib, or his, or he's really hurting that night, he can come talk to you about it. Because you're the reason he got hit. And then let the boys solve that problem in the locker room. Hitting Tatis next... Like, if they hit him today, what's that do? Big deal. Should have drilled the next guy that came up. That, and then he would have learned. But, whatever. That's just, uh... You know, and like somebody said, oh, well, that's just being a baby or whatever. It's Or, you know... Nah, that, that's just looking out for your teammate. That's why you don't do it. You know, unless you don't give a shit. I.e. Reggie Jackson saying it's great. Because when did Reggie ever give a shit about anybody but himself? You know, so there you go. Whatever. That's just a little baseball take. Uh, I thought it was a Bush League. To me, that's like stealing up eight runs. You don't do that shit. You know, but uh, but again, that's like, oh, if there's a pass ball, you stay there and don't run. No, I didn't say that, dummy. Of course, you advance on a pass ball, but you just don't steal. Of course, I see on this Delino DeShields Jr. I stole 110 bases when we were up in that level. Yeah, well, because when did you stop playing? Like five years ago? That's your it's new age bullshit. Because I could, if you stole second, the guy that's up the bat should have got fucking drilled in the next pitch. And then, like I said, then you can go. T- then he can come talk to you in the locker room. Just think you'd steal a hundred more bases, up eight runs, you know? But it's this new age mentality. Yeah, and when I equate it to hockey, I said these are the same assholes though that will yell about the code. Once again, proving you don't know shit from apple butter about anything I'm talking about. Unwritten rules. Then of course all these people. Unwritten rules are stupid. Yeah, okay. Well, first of all, you never played anything, so you don't even know what an unwritten rule is. You're just parroting something you heard. You know, once you start playing, you'll figure it out. And like I said, all these people that are, oh, it's not a big deal, yeah, we'll put you on the mound when it happens. Or put you in the outfield when it happens. Yeah, and then we'll see what your reaction is. You know, it's easy sitting on the couch and suck it up, make a better pitch then. Eh, yeah. That's like when it's 10 nothing and somebody scores. In hockey, they keep running their first line out there, you know. And then when the first, and then when one of them gets run, everyone's up in arms. They don't understand why. Really, you don't understand why? Well, I would blame the coach for putting them out for not getting it. You know, no one gives a shit if the third or fourth line guys score when it's eight one. But Johnny Hero that already has a hat trick, does he need four? When you're up seven goals? No. But in today's hockey, of course, today's fan, well, maybe just try to stop the puck and play better then. Yeah, okay, moron. Again, you've never played anything. So you have no clue. So, and then when that guy, with that happens, and there's actually some retribution, and the guy gets run, all you fucking morons don't understand why. So, you know, whatever. A lot of people talk about unwritten rules that have no clue what the rules are anyway. But anyway... Enough. We won't talk about baseball anymore. Oh, and somebody was talking. Uh, well, it's it was a question I got, but uh, ah, what the hell? Let's get into the question and answer. I mean, we're already fourteen minutes in. How long do we want this to be anyway? Okay. Well, it's funny. The first one, fly guy. 
Thought we were talking about Eric Lindros, and he goes, uh, "Why don't we talk about the time that El- uh, figure, men's figure skater Elvis Stoiko knocked out Eric Lindros in a bar fight?" And I know it's amazing when I actually kind of asked a few people and asked around. This is actually a really big rumor going around that people actually like believed, and uh, it's not true. They never fought. They never had any confrontation. Um, this was actually, and the reason I brought it, because actually Elvis Stoiko just recently did uh, a podcast of some sort with somebody, and this question got brought up, and he flat out denied it, and he laughed because he thought, it, you know, he had heard the rumors for 20 years, and, and blah, 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 and whatever, and, and like he said, well, I'm not going to deny, you know, it's a pretty cool story, because he was the one winning, right? So he goes, all right, I didn't, but he goes, no, it never did happen. And he goes, I actually, I think he said he actually didn't even he didn't even have any heat with Lindros. So, um, yeah. But that was funny. I didn't, I didn't realize that that, that was such a big, um, a big rumor going around, but yeah, apparently it was, uh, apparently it was, but, uh, okay. Hold on. I'm just looking, I'm getting, I'm digging up more questions. Old, uh, old bucket drop here. Yo, he's got a few questions here. Who is the best lefty in the NHL? Ah, Dave Brown. Who's a tough guy from the Western Hockey League that never made the NHL but should have, in your opinion? Ooh. Um, Rocky Tom- Well, I guess Rocky Thompson technically did make the NHL. Um, that never made the NHL. Um, that's a good question. Brad Symes? How about that one? Rest in peace, Brad Symes. But he played in Portland. Him and Kale Hulse were D partners. Vicious. Dude could throw down. Um, uh, Dean Zerdachny was really tough. Um, I, I, you know, I, Kerry Toporowski, there, there's one, there you go, ah, there you go, that's probably the biggest one, Kerry Toporowski. Should they bring the red line back in the show? No. Too late now. The toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Well, because, I mean, everyone sees how fast it is now, the pond hockey, and, you know, to, if, to basically shut that off. And to go back to two lines, oh no, you'd have a riot. So no. Um, and one thing that I that I think would make the league more entertaining: take the trapezoid out, and let the goalie get smoked when he leaves the crease and plays when he plays as a third defenseman. Wow, well, that's interesting. I don't know. Now, if the goalie comes out and he's playing the puck and the guy hits him, I, I don't think we all have to get up in arms and yell about ten game suspensions or anything like that. Um, you know, like who's the what the one guy at the SJHL? The kid comes flying out to the goalie comes out. That was a preseason. Comes flying out to the blue line to play the puck, and the guy drills him. Oh, and they give him like twenty five games or something. It's like oh, okay, like you know. First of all, what's this moron coming out to the blue line to play the puck for? Um, actually, I think what kind of did that guy in is I think after he kind of got drunk and went on Twitter and did a video or something and put it online about how funny it was or whatever, but still I'm like half the season for hitting a goalie. I'm like, they wear the most equipment out of anybody. I mean, that, you know, whatever. I, you know, so that was kind of whatever. But, uh, no, I don't think goalies should be live, but at the same time, um, little rubbing never hurt anybody. But, uh, you know, that that's what I say anyway. Um, too late to get a question in. It is not. Jay. Jay. My boy Jay. 
out in Iowa. What's the episode that you're most proud of and why? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I've never, I don't know. Um, like, I've done some really good player interviews that I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the, with the reception they've got. And uh, you know what I think? I mean, this is going to sound kind of hokey or whatever, but it's not so much the episode. It's, it's the aftermath of it. Um, I really enjoy uh, kind of bringing, bringing a guy to the spotlight that maybe people didn't know before, like a Josh Mazur or a Chris Graff or a Kent Staniforth, guys like that. I mean, it's one thing when you're interviewing, you know, Ted Aranko or guys like or John Morasti or McIntyre. I mean, people know those guys and stuff. And I'm not knocking Josh or Chris. They'd say the same thing. But, I mean, kind of these unheralded guys, um, you know, to get their stories out there or to make people aware of them and stuff um, was really cool. Uh, Todd St. Louis was the same thing. He had just sort of got, I mean, he's made the rounds and he's all over social media now, but, uh, at the time he had just gotten on social media and I was the first person to ever have him on a podcast. And I didn't want to say I talked him into it, but I mean, I know he was really nervous and stuff, but it was really cool, uh, you know, to see his growth on social media afterwards. Um, not just with fans, but I like for these guys to reconnect with, uh, old teammates and stuff like that. And, uh, you know that that's kind of cool, and, and and to kind of be some like uh, what's the word uh, a conduit in that um, is is fun. even just through Twitter. Um, I remember like the one night it looked like I it looked like Red Deer Red Red Deer Rebels alumni on my timeline because I put up a video of the Red a fight couple of fight Red Deer fight videos because I was watching a Red Deer fight DVD, and um, you know Asham replied to it, and then Terry Ryan, and then Greg Schmidt got in there, and and then Mike Brown and. Lloyd Shaw, and then, and like, and like a couple of them weren't like using like at Lloyd Shaw or whatever. He had a different name. It was a Bantam hockey. He was coaching a Bantam team. So he had like the Bantam AAA Snowhawks or something was his Twitter handle. So nobody would have known that was Lloyd Shaw. But he jumped in and then he started talking to those guys. Oh, I'm talking to Shaw's, you know. And it, and it, it was really cool to, um, to kind of be a part of like bringing that all together, um, you know, just with a fight video. And or just with uh, tweeting and stuff. So yeah, I mean, just stuff like that. I mean, with the episode. I mean, I know it's a roundabout. You know, to make a long story longer. Um, you know, but having and then having fellow fight fans on and talking and uh, you know, getting some guys to tell their story and stuff and uh, you know and and to see the reception that they get or the downloads, the listens and. And, you know, and that was cool, and, and like I see, and to see the growth of different podcasts, like the Biscuit and stuff, and, you know, I went on there and did a whole bunch of episodes with William and uh, Download King, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm the reason that the Biscuit grew, but I, I just, you know, my episode, people would listen to it, and then get him a, you know, my the people that were following my account would start to follow his, and, and you just kind of, and and likewise, same thing with bit they hear me, and they follow me, and, and it's like, a, you know, and everyone grows from that, and I think that's been the most rewarding, um, and I, you know, and I think that would be, um, I think that's, that's, that was probably the big one, uh, that, you know, the biggest thing from the, it's just, and just the opportunities from the podcast that, that, who, the guys I've got to meet and talk to and, uh, you know, and most of it's just through social media or whatever and, 
and uh, you know Twitter friends, so to speak. But but it's been really cool to meet people. And Jay, like yourself, talking to you the other night, that was a fun conversation. You know that never would have happened without the the podcast and social media. So you know, and then talking to to Jay out in Finland. There, Jay, we got to get you on the show. I know I'll, I got to answer your emails too. And I mean, he's been great how sending me articles and stuff. And then you know, and then hanging out with Graf at Edmonton, drinking beers. And, uh, you know, stuff like that, and meeting Kent Staniforth and Lloyd, and, and, and received such great gift. Dean Mayrad sending me his, the jersey he won the Enforcers Tournament with, and I mean, which he did, still blows my mind that he did that, you know, and I've received gifts from other people, I'm not saying everybody sent me gifts, but, but it's, you know, none of this would have happened without the podcast, and, and without you guys, and, uh, and no, and it's been really fun in that sense, you know, an old fight fan to, to get out and meet everybody or to talk and whatever and to make these connections has been a lot of fun. Um, also, who's the toughest guy that you know of from the dub that could have gone pro but didn't? That's funny. I just, yeah, like I said, this I'm just reading his message for the first time. He just sent it. Um, like I said, probably, uh, I always say Matt Summerfeld. Yeah, in my, that I can remember, because Symes and all them played pro. Um, I would say Matt Summerfeld. I know he, uh, I think he was in Florida Panthers camp, and then that was it. He never played pro. He just uh, retired and went back to the farm. And uh, if you go to my YouTube page, uh, Matt Summerfeld, S O M M E R F E L D, he fights everyone McIntyre to Goddard to Pete, all those guys. And uh, great fights, tough dude. And uh, yeah, I would say him. John Searson. Another great guest from the ep- from previous episodes. Got a couple for me. Was there a player who signed in the Quebec League that surprised you that they would go there? Um, well, I can tell you from during the lockout, Brashear going there really surprised me. And oh four oh five, like when all, when Belak and all those guys and all those NHL guys went to Europe and everything. Although Belak and Karen's fought and stuff, that surprised me too that they would fight over in the UK. But a lot of those guys went to Finland and stuff, and you know, and even the guys that went to the UHL find their legs and stuff. I, you know, I mean, they played, but I don't, they weren't fighting or anything like that. And uh, you know, but for Rashir to go to the to the jungle. To the LNH jungle and with a tar- huge target painted on his back, and uh, would he fight nineteen times or whatever? Like that's ballsy, man. And you, like I said, you could say whatever you want about Brashier, and I'm not a Brash guy by any means. I'm not a fan, but uh, you know, hey, I'll I'll give the devil his due, and uh, yeah, I will say that surprised me that they would go there. And other guys like, like I don't know, guys like. Um, like I mean, I know why they went for the payday or whatever, but and I and I think they got a very a very rude awakening when they got there. But like guys like um, you know Troy Crowder, Bruce Shoebottom, uh, you know guys like that. They one or two games, they're just like, "What is this? I'm out of here." Uh, Lyndon Byers, same thing. I know he was in Sherbrooke, and I think he played in the preseason. He got into that line brawl and got the shit kicked out of him in the line brawl, and that was the end of him. Um, but I think his nephew or something was playing Dane, I think, so I think that's probably why he was there, but, um, guys like that, I, I think they don't give the league the respect, and they, they quickly found out that they probably should have, and, um, yeah, so that, that was kind of surprising, um, was there anybody you signed who you expected would do really well in the Quebec League, but did not, and the, and the opposite, so expected them to get eaten alive, but they actually did okay, um, the one guy I will say, the guy that I that I'm, I'm 
to add to the second part first. The guy that I thought would get eaten alive that did really well was Derek Parker. Um, not that Parker wasn't a tough guy, and I had seen the footage, but he was just sort of an undersized, like six feet, you know, and like I said, tough guy. Um, but I'd, I'd seen his WHL stuff, but I kind of, you know, again, he was young, but I, I it was, uh, but I, I just didn't expect him to, to hang, but I, looking back now, at the time, I'm saying, looking back now, I guess, just with his style and from talking to different guys that fought him, um, he was really unorthodox and really hard, like kept you off balance so I can see now. But I know at the time in 05 when he first got there and was kind of cruising through the league, um, I was really surprised that no one was just like kicking the shit out of him. And some of the antics he pulled, I'm surprised no one took a baseball swing at him. I know Morassi wanted to kill him a few times, but uh, um, I would say probably Parker, actually. Um, and then who expected to do really well and then didn't. Um you know, and I sat and I tried to think of this question, and I'm, I'm you know, and I and I don't mean this as a slight. Um, I thought Jason Bohm would be a little better, and just uh, you know, I'm not knocking him, not knocking him because it's a um, Leon Delorme. There's another one, although he had he was a quite he was a few years removed from playing, and uh, was out of you know was you know a little 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 fleshy, little large, little out of shape, and uh, and I know he took some, but, but game is shit, I mean, he fought 30 times or whatever, like, he never backed down, on, you know, <coughs> pardon me, all the props to Leon in the world for having the balls, um, you know, I'm not, definitely not knocking him that way, but, you know, I think he certainly wasn't ready for what he was getting into, and, uh, I mean, he, he took some, took some lumps. Um, I know, well, and another guy, Marc-Andre Waugh, that was a guy that you'd heard so much about the 600 and whatever minutes in junior and, and yet the big buildup. And, uh, I don't know, I, from what, what I watched, you know, never really showed much. And, uh, you know, and I, I heard a few stories and he, whatever, I'm not going to get into what, what all went down, but he, he pulled the shoot on my buddy pretty good. And, uh, I, after I heard that story, I kind of, I lost a lot of respect for him. I know a lot of guys on the team lost a lot of respect for him too. So, you know, uh, you know, probably that, probably that, you know, uh, let's see what's other questions. Uh, Phil, what do you got? Dr- hashtag drunk hockey card. Absolutely. Uh, what is the most valuable hockey card that I own? Um, unfortunately I don't have a Gretzky rookie card. That always killed me. I wish I did. Um, probably a Mario Lemieux rookie card. I have a few, but I have a cup. Co- I have two. Well, one, I got, well, I need to get them graded, but I, I think this one would grade out fairly decent. It's a, it's uh, in really in really good shape, and uh, some of them, unfortunately, some of them are in atrocious shape. But 1985 was kind of, you know, I was nine, ten years old, um, was kind of really when I really started buying a lot of hockey cards at that time, and uh, of course that was his rookie year. So I ended up with a, like a bunch of Lemieux rookies. And uh, over the years, who knows what happened to him when you're 10 or 11 years old. But, um, you know, oh, you can only go back and talk to 10-year-old self. But uh, I did manage to keep a few. And uh, the one of them that I have in the, in the hard plastic or whatever in the magnetic case um, is actually in really good shape. So I need to get that graded at some point. But I would say that was probably, that's definitely my most valuable hockey card, for sure. I mean, and nowadays, I mean, I, mean, I know you can go and, 
you know, buy boxes of cards for $300, $400, and, oh, you can get the short print, one of three Connor McDavid autographs, and it sells for $10,000 and stuff. I mean, that's insane. I mean, I don't, I'm not into that. I don't buy any of that stuff. Uh, every once in a while, I will buy a box of new stuff, hockey cards. I always call it cardboard gambling. I know um, here at Walmart, they were selling the old the upper deck packs from the Connor McDavid's rookie year. So, I mean, I know they're, I know they're retail or hobby packs, whatever, or retail packs, but Hey, why not? I'll give it a, a cardboard gambling. I'll buy a couple packs. Hey, you get a, get a McDavid young gun. What the hell? I mean, I know actually I got an Eichel one in those packs and I got an Austin Matthews, uh, young guns card too. So, uh, I don't know what those are. I know they're worth a few bucks. So that was kind of cool. Was it, or is it Marner? Damn. No, I can't remember. No, it was Matthews. Um, you know, sort of once in a while you'll get a, a Young Guns card, that was pretty good. Um, but, uh, no Crosby, unfortunately, and no McDavid, so, eh, I tried, but, uh, that didn't happen. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, in terms of my hockey carding, um, you know, I, I just got to collect the tough guys, and, uh, I have a whole thing here of my old 80s and 90s, uh, you know. Actually, you know a card that I'd really like to get? There are two cards that i really like to get were the Bob Probert Jr. cards, the Sault Ste. Marie and then the Hamilton card, um, which are probably astronomical prices now that he's passed away, but I should have at the time tried to search him out, but pretty rare cards. I, I really wish I could have gotten those two. Um, those would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay, scroll, scroll. What's another question here? Favorite athlete growing up in any sport and fa- favorite tough guy? Um, well, favorite tough guy, I mean, that can vary. I mean, you know, you know, Probert, Parker, Twist, Rocky, you know, all those, Mal Engelstad, all those guys. Um, I can't really answer that question. Um, my favorite athlete growing up, though, it, I was always a baseball guy. It was uh, It's funny now because he's such a freaking goof, but uh, Jose Canseco was my favorite player growing up. I was, you know, of course, you know, mid-80s, Bash Brothers, you know, uh, you know, playing, growing up, war number 33 in baseball. Yeah, he was my favorite. I mean, he was the, just a big dude that hit, you know, uh, you know, swung from his ass and uh, hit hit uh, tape measure shots. And uh, like I said, I was always a fan of the power guys and uh, him and McGuire. And, and um, you know, I liked all those guys. Back. Rob Deere, there's a name for you. I loved Rob Deere growing up. And, uh you know, even now, like, I mean, Trout and all them are great players, but, you know, a Joey Gallo type or Chris Davis, uh, Adam Dunn, there was another guy. I really like Josh Hamilton, too. But, yeah, growing up, uh, my first ever player that I can remember kind of really cheering for uh, was Cal Ripken. I was probably about seven or eight years old was Cal Ripken. Because um, I, I first started playing, like, softball and stuff when I was, like, five, six years old. And I was a shortstop. How times have changed. And uh, for some reason, I really, I really liked Ripken, and uh, you know. And then, then when I got into baseball, I started catching initially, and I became a really huge Lance Parrish fan from the Tigers. And that was really cool because back in the day, our our cable company we got Detroit base uh, W not WGN. Uh, what is the Tiger State? Whatever we got Detroit Channel, Detroit Channel. And, of course, the Tiger games were always on. So I got to see a lot of Lance Perry. The Roar of 84, you know, with Gibson and Trammell and Whitaker and them, which was always really cool. So I was kind of a Tiger fan, too. and uh, But I was a huge Lance Parrish fan. 
and then in uh, 86, 87, uh, Canseco, yeah. And it was just, he was just big and like had the superhero muscles. And like I said, I always been a wrestling fan too, so he kind of had like the wrestler physique. And then, like I said, then he just was jack and bomb, so it was like, all right, yeah, I'm a Canseco guy. And like I said, as the years have gone on, I always respected his talent and everything else. But, um, you know, uh, you read his tweets now and stuff, it's just like, and you hear from everybody, he's just a jerk off when you meet him in person and stuff. So I was always kind of glad I didn't meet him in person. I, you never, what do they always say? You never want to meet your heroes or whatever, but, uh, yeah. Well, if I met him now, I'd probably just laugh at him now, but, you know. Uh, it's funny, because he actually has a Jose Canseco's car wash in Las Vegas, because he lives there now. And it's literally three blocks from the hotel we always stay at. We always stay at the Orleans. We drive by his car wash every night when we're out in the car. And apparently on Wednesdays, if you go from, like, no- between noon and five or something, he's there. And it's like, I don't know, twenty dollars for an autograph or what you know, you know, forty dollars if you want to talk to him, or, you know, or whatever. The guy's just so desperate for money, but I almost went in just for like a twenty I'll get a baseball sign just because, you know, I was always a you know, he was like my guy growing up and you know, I guess it would be cool to have an autograph baseball from him. But uh yeah, I'm not paying forty dollars to talk to him, whatever that means. I mean, so does he just sign your baseball and like not say anything to you? Yeah, probably actually, but uh yeah. But Canseco, Jose Canseco. Um, sporting event that you saw a lot, most impactful sporting event that you saw live. Well, this is actually pretty cool. I get what is this, like a baseball podcast? Um, every year in the summer, my grandma lived out in BC, in White Rock, and uh, we would go out there on family vacation, and then we would cross the border into Seattle. And uh, we'd always go, we'd stay a few days in Seattle, and we'd go to a Mariners game in the old Kingdom days. And, uh, and of course, the baseball schedule never really changed much. So that times when we were there in, in mid-August, right around this time actually, the Oakland A's were always in town. So that was something, man. They were they're the, they're the prime time team to see. And, uh, and in 1987, when Mark McGuire was a rookie and he hit the 49 home runs to set the rookie record, I was at that game when he hit the home run number 37, which broke the American League rookie record. So to see that, you know, I see one baseball game a year. You know, I saw, I've seen maybe, I don't know, seven or eight baseball games in my life. One of them, I get to actually see some history being made. Uh, and, uh, and it was funny because I saw just about a month ago, I found a video and that, that uh, clip is on there. The home run from Seattle, the game I was at, is on, on YouTube. And it showed, I can still remember it, dead center. And, uh, yeah, that, so that was cool. And to be there was... Uh, be a part of history. It was always funny, of course, being a Canseco guy. I always went. I don't. I think he was. I think Jose was like one for eleven in all the times I saw him. He did shit when I saw him, and it was funny. For always bad as the Mariners were, or whatever they used to kick the shit out of the A's every time when I was there. Uh, and guarantee. And Jay Buner, there's another guy I was really a big fan of, would hit a home run every time. I think Buner. Every time I saw Jay Buner play, he hit a home run. I think he hit three one game we were at, and Griffey hit two, and yeah, it was. Um, yeah, good times. I like. I need to get back down to Seattle. I know my brother went there a couple of years back, and and he said nothing's changed since like '88. You know, down on the wharf and all the same stuff. And uh, he had a real nostalgic trip. So I really want to do that, and uh, you know, go back and and relive when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. So, but yeah, that, I would say that. Um, Oh, oh, yeah, Matt, you joker. Is hockey better now or back in the day? Uh, well, I mean, that's you know, that's the question that can be the million-dollar question, right? I mean, uh, 
depends what your age group is, right? Today's fan, of course, will say back then sucked. And actually, it was funny today. Somebody put up a thing of like Solani just getting abused by Bukaboom, and they're all just like, "Oh, that's a million penalties, and it sucked." And now I'm so glad that doesn't happen anymore. And of course, the guy saying it's like 18 doesn't know any different anyway. But I'm, you know, it's better now. And like I always say, well, back then in the supposed shitty era, they scored more, hit more, and fought more. But it's better now. Oh, okay. You know, well, it's faster now. I'm like, yeah, Pat Mulberry was pretty fast too, you know. And they and he had center ice to deal with. So, uh, you know, you can't, like I said, it's evolution, um, you know, with today's equipment, the rules, mindset. I mean, nowadays, I mean, it, whatever. I've, I've never knocked today's players. I can't do that. Science, these unbelievable athletes. It's a 12-month-year job. But so it's completely different. I mean, guys in the 80, training camp was to get in shape. No one really lifted weights, uh, you know, the equipment. You can put on a pair of uh, skates from 1983 and put on today's skates. Like, it's night and day. You know, so, I mean, it's all, you know, obviously everything's better and science is better. and So you really can't, you can't compare eras. You know, like I would say, yeah, of course, my 2019 Toyota SUV runs better than my 78 Nova did. But I had a lot more fun in the 78 Nova, I can tell you that. But, uh, you know... So, I mean, if, if it's whatever area you grew up in, um, I will say with the, with the, to me now, hockey is just, it's pond hockey with rec level intensity. I mean, no one hits anybody. They seldom fight. Now that, again, that's a whole other debate if that's good or bad, whatever. You'll have two camps on that. Um, to me, it's like watching grass grow and I don't watch anymore. I've said that numerous times and, uh. And a lot of my friends, they don't watch anymore. And when they do it sparingly, or they have kids, and of course their young kids are into it, so they'll sit and watch too. But if you ever ask them, they're like, oh no, it was wetter back in the day or whatever. I just think of all my friends that I grew up with or whatever, my brother, all of them, all the guys I've interviewed on my podcast, majority of them either don't watch or just think today's is the shits, but it's hockey, so they they're just, they watch it. But not one of them has said, oh, it's better now. You know, so I've never heard, not one of them has said that. So, you know, take that for what you will. But that's, again, if this, every, like, if you grew up with this stuff, you'll think it's great. So, and I, and I don't fault young, the younger generation for that. I mean, they don't know any different. Um, you know, <clears throat> like I said, it, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. But, uh, you know, that, such, such as it is. But, uh, yeah, there we go. Another question here from Rick Fan. What is your favorite hockey biography? Um, Terry Ryan's book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, was really good. Uh, Zamboni Rodeo, which the guy followed the Austin Ice Bats from like 2001 around. Um, that was really good. Um, Don Cherry's very first book, Grapes. That came out in like 1982, I believe, 82. It was early 80s. My dad had it. I remember reading it. That's really good. Um, yeah, those ones. Um, kind of the new age. I have, you know what's terrible? I have Grimson's book and Bugard's book sitting here, and I haven't read either of them. That's awful. I need to do that. Um, Probert's book was good. Very honest. Um, McCarty's book was good. Rob Ray's book sucked. Um, LaRock's book was, eh, I never... I wasn't into George's books. Some of Cherry's books have been good, like the story ones where he just tells stories. Those are good. Dave Schultz's book was okay. 
Um, it was kind of in his whiny stage, though, where don't we don't need fighting. He's kind of, you know, he flip-flopped on that. But he did tell some good stories. Um, Tiger Williams' book was okay. Cordic's book, that Cordic book was, it, it was sort of, it was poorly, it was sort of all over the place, but it kind of t- painted a really, that was a really sad story with John Cordic, though, but, um, it, you know, it was an interesting read anyway. Um, yeah, but I would say probably Terry Ryan's or Don Cherry's original book were probably my, are probably my two favorites. Um, I've heard really good things about that Bugard book, though. Um, I need to get on that. Um, yeah. Other than that, oh, it, I know you're a wrestler. Who is your favorite wrestler? Uh, Chris Jericho is my favorite wrestler. Maybe not so much now, but when he first started and was in WCW and the Man of a Thousand and Four Holds and uh, and everything. I actually I really like Jericho. Um, you know, Bret Hart uh, tag teams, Midnight Express, of course, Road Warriors. Uh, but I was always a big Hart Foundation fan. But I was a really big NWA fan back in the day. My my really best friend's cousin was a big wrestling fan, and uh, he was the one where I first saw started seeing NWA tapes and like Ric Flair and like the real gritty stuff. And it was like, oh man, this is way better than WWF stuff. And uh, you know, I'm a big Jim Cornette fan. And uh, which anybody who probably listens to this podcast and listens to the Cornette one knows I steal lots of stuff. Lots of lines, but I'm a big Cornette fan. Don't agree with everything he says, of course. It's like Don Cherry, right? I don't agree with everything he said either. But uh, overall, um, I, I don't. I don't want to say I don't watch any current. I don't watch a lot of current wrestling. I'm hit and miss. But there are. I don't want a- AEW. I tried to watch, and it just to me it's hot garbage. And uh, WWF. Ugh. But I've watched a few of the NXT ter- takeovers. I really like Adam Cole. Um, those are quite good. Chompas, you know, those were good. Um, yeah, no, I just don't, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I was always just a big wrestling fan. Yeah, and in UFC, I asked people about UFC. You know what? It's strange for as, as, I'm not a real big UFC guy, or a mixed, I would say UFC, but I mean, mixed martial arts in general. Um, if it's on, I'll, I mean, it's not like I turn it right away. I mean, I'll watch it, but I don't, I'm not, I don't follow it. I couldn't tell you the, the rosters or stuff. I mean, I know McGregor and them, but I mean, I, I don't know every detail. I know one guy I really enjoy watching, and I will always watch his fights, is Cerrone. Cowboy, I love him. He reminds me of, like, a, a Ken Tasker or a John Morasty, right? Just toe-to-toe and let's give her shit and see what happens. Um, unfortunately, I think, you know, I think his days are pretty much done. But, uh, you know, and like I once said, he wants to get knocked out a couple times. The chin starts getting a little weaker. And, and I think, you know, he's had some tough losses. But um, I really like him. And... Um, but, you know, GSP, of course, growing up, I always watched, uh, you know, when UFC first started to kind of taking off, uh, you know, we all watched George's fights. Um, he seems like such a class dude. You know, and a Canadian doesn't hurt either. Um, but, you know, uh, I can't, I, Clay Guida, I was always big into him. He was pretty cool. Uh, Forrest Griffin's really funny. I remember that. Uh, but I, I, I think probably, actually, it's funny. I know the Ultimate Fighter, that reality show, is kind of what really kicked off the whole thing. Um, I remember watching it, and I I hate reality television, and I thought that sh- I thought that was, show was so stupid. Um, I understood how big it became, and you know whatever, but I just never I was never into it, and uh, and I can't stand Dana White. I think Dana White's just a douchebag, and uh, you know to me he's got no class. I mean I, I understand he's growing the thing and whatever, and but to me I mean when you're the head of an organization and 
you get on national TV and you're dropping f bombs and everything else, and you know, and and uh, I don't know. To me, he's always, you know. And then when I know St. Pierre there, and he's on there telling oh George Rose's fans to come back and fight. That's like right then. It's like you don't give a shit about his health or anything. You just need the money. You don't give a shit about GSP, and he owes his fans. Like, who the fuck are you, you know, to say that? And you know, for all the fights those guys are in, and I mean, and they, you know, to me, they pay the guys like shit, and you know, for the, you know, I guess when you're in it, you know, with the pay and whatever. But to me, for all the money that they make, for what those guys get paid, it's it's atrocious, and uh, especially like prelim guys. Like I remember they had a guy here from Saskatoon, uh, uh, Mitch something. And he was talking, I think he was an accountant or something, whatever it was. I remember he, he got signed with the UFC and he was on a few prelim things. He lost money doing it. Like, seriously, you're in the biggest mixed martial arts, uh, you know, league in the world and you're losing money from your day job uh, to do this? I mean, you know, meanwhile, Dana White's going on about how big it is and the billion dollars and blah, blah, blah. And this guy's making six grand. Like, eh, you know. And again, if yeah, you know, it's they're they're putting themselves out there. They knew what the money was, and you know, I'm whatever. That's fine, you know. But I just, to me, it's just, eh, you know, whatever. So, I'm not a Dana White guy. I think he's a piece of shit. But, uh, but no, I in terms of mixed martial arts and tremendous athletes, and uh, you know, I I was, uh, you know, it's it's cool. I mean, I, I dig the sport. I'm just, you know, I it's just I don't know what it is. I've never. I'm not poo-pooing it, but, uh, no, just for some reason, I just never really gravitated really huge to it, but, but, I've sat here and watched, you know, fight nights or whatever, but, you know, for the most part, I'm not a real big MMA guy. Um, boxing, um, again, I enjoy boxing, I'll watch it if nothing's on, I'm just sitting in the chair, um, again, I don't follow it, I don't know who all the guys are anymore, but I think I always just appreciate how the science of it and the, the athleticism and just how tough those guys were. But uh, you go back in the day, I mean, you know, Ward and Gotti and Hagler and, you know, of course, Tyson and stuff and, uh, you know, Ali and, you know, I, there's a really good channel. It's, uh, it's Boxing History on YouTube or, uh, damn, I can't remember the channel name, but he does like, you know, top 10 punches of all time or sneakiest left hooks or best best dancers or best, you know, defense or whatever and best middleweights and, and all those types of videos, you know, 20, 25 minute videos. Uh, but the guy really breaks it down and stuff, and I really enjoy that. I uh, really enjoy watching that. Uh, Tyson Fury, of course, Dante Wilder, stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, I've always been... A, I probably prefer boxing over MMA, to be completely honest. Um, but, yeah. No, anything like... The, you know, any uh, uh, physical sport like that. Uh, combat sport. Um, you know, like I always say, pro wrestling. I always say I, I like my violence mixed with a little bit of silliness. But, uh, <coughs> but uh, yeah... Well, there we go. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for the for the Q and A. Uh, I appreciate everybody who sent the questions in. Um, you know, it's a fifty minute rambling long episode. Uh, I know uh, Longgrass there had asked me. He, he had recently done an episode of uh, top ten current fighters, and I I think I put on Twitter. I said, "Oh, the the who's instead of the who's who is the who's that?" But uh, no, Lucic and uh, Reeves and all those guys and. Johnson. I did tell him, I said, you named a few guys in that top ten. I have no clue who they were. You know, uh, so, Kevin Miller? Who the fuck is that? But, uh, or Kevon Miller? No. But, uh, he was kind of like, oh, well, you should do a list of blah, blah, blah. 
I don't want I I don't I don't watch it enough. I couldn't make a list of ten guys. So uh, I will. Uh, and like I told him, I said his opinion is no more, or my opinion is no more valuable than his. We all we all have our opinions, and uh, you know whatever. I know he likes to throw the chara around though, and uh, I've 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 kind of told him I said go back and watch some uh, video and get back to me with the chara thing. But um, yeah, um, no. It, again, if uh, you guys are, I always say. Uh, I actually, I didn't pump it here at the start of the show. I did. I kind of, in my rambling of Tatis and stuff, um, you know, Hockey Podcast Network, over 30, uh, you know, we got all the NHL teams represented. Terry Ryan's on the on the show, on the podcast, on the network. Um, definitely check that out. Um, you know, and those guys, of course, the playoffs and everything going on, those guys are, you know, uh, pumping out content. If, uh, find your team and uh, whatever team you cheer for, check out the network because they have every team represented. Um, also, uh, of course, Alec over at Five for Fighting. I know he, he's trying to get a Curtis Tidbull interview out that he, he did record with Tids. And, uh, he's having, uh, editing issues and some audio issues and the file's corrupt. And, uh, I feel, I'm feeling for him, man. I've been there and it's not fun. And, uh, hopefully he can, uh, you know, he can restore it and, and get some, uh, get the interview out because, uh, you know, I mean, that's. You know, you don't want to waste uh, the players' time, and of course, you know, and and that's you know that's the shits. I mean, I've I've had a few scares in terms of recording with guys, and yeah, I mean, you ask him, I think he put in like two or three hours with Tidbull, and so hopefully it's not it's not gone because uh, that would be a shame. And uh, but and then Joe at the Coliseum Chronicles, of course, uh, you know, and Joe's always putting out great stuff, and uh, Shane over at the history of. Hockey podcast, and uh, I know he's having he's having internet issues too. I told him to go get the Wi-Fi password from William. He'll he'll hook you up. But uh, yeah, guys, um, while you're watching, I I know uh, I got to throw out the sponsor of the network. I mean, I know everybody's you know as you're sitting there watching, everybody's got their favorite teams and uh, the draft and everything else. And when it comes up, um, everybody buys the jerseys, and you got to buy the real ones, not the knockoffs. You're a true fan; you have to buy the real ones. Um, go to coolhockey.com and use the checkout code THPN. Uh, the Hockey Podcast Network gets you 30%, sometimes 40% off, and free shipping. And uh, like I said, uh, I've always, you know, 185 190 bucks for hand-sewing numbers. You can get them, whatever player you want, any name you want. Um, you know, and it's the exact jersey the dudes are wearing on the ice. Fight strap, the whole nine yards. You know, like I said, I was at the mall. They're 300 bucks they want for these things. I'm giving it to you for I can get it to you for half the price, pretty much 185 bucks. Like I said, for a third for a Calgary Flames alternate jersey with McGrath and 16 on the back. I did it the whole deal typed in THPN, 185.99 from Can- Canadian uh, out of Toronto. The, the episode the, 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 can't talk. I'm trying to trying to speed up to get out of here. I shouldn't do that though. But um, you know they've been around since '99. Uh, NHLPA endorsed. I've talked to other people that have ordered from them. Product's always been solid. Um, yeah, there you go. Half the price. I, I, what more can one man? I always say, what more can one man do for you? Can't beat the deal with a stick. Again, THPN at checkout gets you thirty percent off and free shipping. And like I said, this is the real deal. The original, the original, jer- authentic jerseys. And uh, like I said, you can get any name or number you want to put on there. Um, other than that, guys, um, if you could check, if you're on iTunes, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out. I know everyone says that, but please, you're there anyway. Could you do it for me? Um, also, YouTube, 
Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel or just go check it out. I've got over 2,200 fights on there. And all they're all sorted. Just type in whatever league you're looking for. Boom, it'll come up. Or if you're looking for a guy, type in a certain name. They'll come up. And uh, like I said, uh, some cool stuff. Colt Norris with Current Parker and Junior. Lots of good. I got NHL on there too. Old school stuff. Bobby Nystrom, Steve Dystra, Semenko dropping closer. Check that out. Some Probert stuff. Uh, pro- really cool Probert Junior fights. Um, yeah, check it out. And uh, other than that, Fourth Line Voice on tw- on Twitter. I'm assuming most of you are from Twitter that are listening. But if you're not, check it. You know, hook, send me a DM. Tell me what you thought of the show, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, but other than that, guys, uh, we're almost at the hour mark here. And uh, I'll get going. But uh, look for me on every Sunday. We have Vault episodes. I'll have another player interview coming at you on Sunday from my old website. Um, I'm not sure who I'm going to put up yet. Maybe, eh, no, I won't throw out the name. I don't know yet. But, uh, and like I said, i got a few guests lined up here. Hopefully, uh, come next Wednesday, I will have a new player interview for you to check out. And uh, other than that, I hope everyone has a good week. And, uh, you know, stay uh, safe, stay healthy out there. Crazy times. Wear your mask, people. And, uh, all right, I'm out of here. I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 